Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide, from Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. I'm here with the CEO and founder of Fetcher, Adris Al-Rafai. Fetcher is solving for the problem of last mile delivery in the Middle East. They were the first startup in the UAE to raise funds from a Silicon Valley VC fund. Uh, and they are one of the, if not the most funded startup in the Middle East. Uh, Adris, great to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, just touch a little bit on the story of Fetcher over the past few years? Um, so... Um, back then, uh, this is what I saw like the gap. We all knew that e-commerce was growing fast, 30, 40% KGR in the next five years. Uh, and there was no real go-to player on the logistics side that could really enable the whole ecosystem. All right, so this is where, this is where I realized that there was like something, something wrong. So um, uh, and I started to, to, to build Fetcher. When you were first raising your seed round, uh, I, know, I know you got a lot of no's. And I think the last time we connected, you mentioned that you had a, a hundred no's before you were able to pull together the round. Uh, so do you think that with the, with the increasing government support of startups uh, and, the, and the increase in the local access to capital, I mean, do you think that's a, that's a process you think has, has kind of changed since, since you started? You have to get uh, a thick skin uh, with regards to being able to, uh, you know, to take no's and then just keep on fighting and get up the next morning. Um, so I think this is a, one of the key traits of entrepreneurs. So you need to have that no matter what. In the region, uh, there is obviously a lot happened in the past like six, seven years. When I started the company six years ago, there was literally no ecosystem whatsoever. So it was extremely difficult to raise seed money. Uh, I had already like put like all my savings, my, my, my family savings and so on. Uh, so it was already like uh, uh, quite, quite, quite deep into it. And despite that, it was very, very difficult to go towards like seed funding. So um, I think, I mean, I know that things change right now. There is quite a lot of incubators, a lot of like a lot more seed funding uh, available. So now if you want to raise like 500K, 1 million bucks, uh, it becomes much easier uh, than what it was uh, six years ago. I think now the funding gap comes more into the second phase, what, like what we call the growth stage capital. Uh, anywhere, any rounds between, you know, 10 to 60, 70, 70 million dollars is very difficult in the region uh, because your business is still risky, which means um, you're, 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 not, you're not really tailored for the, for the large, um, you know, like the large private equity that usually do deals in this region. Uh, and then two, you're way too big for the VCs for the region that cannot deploy that much capital because just because they just, they just don't have that much capital. It's very small funds. Um, so you're, you're a little bit in between it. That becomes very difficult. But yeah, um, for early stage capital, it's a lot more available now than what it was in the past. And I mean, that sounds like a common struggle that startups outside of maybe the U.S. and China face where, I mean, especially in Europe, where the Series B is typically the, the tough, toughest round to raise. Correct. Especially considering the, the, the size of the rounds, right? So if you look at uh, the size of the rounds now, uh, Bs and Cs become bigger and bigger uh, with obviously the impetus of China, right? China tends to raise like much, much bigger funds, uh, much bigger rounds. Uh, so like it's, it's a... Uh, I think it's, uh, it becomes a trend, but yeah, it's still, even in Europe, you're right. It's, it's, it's still difficult. So Fetcher is currently operating and correct me if I'm wrong in the UAE, Egypt, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and Jordan. And Oman. Uh, so, okay. So, so can you give us an idea of the, the e-commerce opportunity in the GCC countries and 
um, really curious about the trajectory of, of e-commerce in the region. So, I mean, look, e-commerce is going very fast, right? Uh, for multiple reasons. One is because it comes from a huge base effect, uh, which means that e-commerce is extremely small uh, as of like last year and two years ago. So right now, uh, if you look at retail, retail, retail is about $426 billion market. And I'm talking here in the Gulf, okay? So not, not even the Middle East, uh, so the Gulf countries. Uh, so $426 billion, e-commerce represents less than 1% of retail. Wow. Okay, we chose, if you, look at, if you look at Europe, you're anywhere between 8 to 12%. If you look at UK, you're about 18%. If you look at China, you're about like 28%. All right, so like there is, there is quite a lot of uh, uh, discrepancy. And even though the ingredients of the Middle East for e-commerce growth are here, which means one smartphone penetration is here, obviously, and this is one of the key defining, um, you know, one of the key enablers of e-commerce is smartphone and broadband penetration. Both of them are here. Actually, you have one of the highest ratios uh, in the world. Uh, two, you have a young population. 70% of the population is below the age of 30, um, which means that you know, they're, they're more prone to tech-savvy and disruptive models. Uh, and then three, you have quite a high purchasing power. Right? People tend to be richer in the GCC. I'm not saying rich, but at least richer. Um, so therefore, uh, like you, you have like some, uh, some money to spend. So you have all the right ingredients, and despite that, it represents less than 1%. And it's been... One of the main reasons for that has been the, the, just the shortcomings of logistics companies. Right? If you look at um, back in the days when I was on the e-commerce side, we did a study about you know, like all the customers that choose to buy once only on your website and never buy again. 70% of the people, of these people who choose to not buy again was because of logistics. So it's like you keep on acquiring customers and losing 70% in the first time they receive a package. So it just doesn't work, right? The unit economics cannot work. The whole ecosystems cannot work if you don't have an enabler on the last mile, which is what we're trying to provide. Well, I think what's funny is that before you started Fetcher, the way delivery worked in these countries is the delivery guy essentially had a long list of phone numbers and they would just call people and, and ask them for directions over the phone. It's still how it works with like a 90% of the logistics company, right? They're not GPS based, they're not GPS enabled, which I found it crazy. There is so many, I mean, if you look at, there is so many services, if you look at the US or like Western Europe, whatever, there is so many, Eastern Europe as well, but like there is so many countries, so many services where you uh, and your phone and basically like being able to take the GPS of your phone uh, as, a, <clears throat> as a place to deliver that service is so embedded. And then you have logistics. The only job of logistics, if you think about it, is to actually deliver stuff. It's to do nothing else. So it's like, it's like Uber telling you that you have to be at that location uh, if you want to pick a car, right? It just sounds so insane, right? But this is what logistics companies tell you, right? This is where you have an address and they tell you, okay, you have to be there between 9, and 9, 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. and we're going to deliver a package. So I think it's completely obsolete. It needs to be completely reversed. It needs to be the customer is free to be wherever he wants and share his location on this, on, from his smartphone. And we, like the logistics companies should be able to find them. I think it should be, it, that's how it should be, right? So this is what we do. We don't deliver to a home, we deliver to a phone. We're using the, G, the GPS uh, of your smartphone as an address. And we make it, it's much simpler for the customer as well, just by the press of a button, you can actually share your location. So right. it's much more, like it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot of freedom that we give back to the customer. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. And so, uh, so let's say that I'm an angel investor. Uh, I'm, I'm flying into the UAE for the first time. 
uh, about to land into Dubai, what advice would you give to me to really uh, start getting connected into the local ecosystem and um, look, look to make my first angel investment into a, a local startup there? I would tell you that this is the right time to do so, right? Because for the three reasons that I mentioned, um, if you like, uh, um, uh, this is this place is poised for disruption, right? Because because both on the supply and the demand, on the market, on on the on the landscape, the like the competitive landscape. Uh, so it's it's all it's all you all have the right ingredients, and it's proven there is actually quite a few posts now uh, that shows how how the Middle East is just poised for for disruptions and and new models. So the first answer 